Welcome to Catholics Across the Isle, the podcast of the Florida Conference of Catholic Bishops, offering commentary on public policy and civic life. This is Michael Sheedy, Executive Director of the Conference. My name is Michael Sheedy. I'm the Executive Director at the Florida Conference of Catholic Bishops. I'm very pleased to be joined by Michelle Taylor, who is the Associate Director of Communications at the conference. Michelle has really taken on the leadership role here among our staff on the candidate questionnaire project that we undertake every biennium in election years uh, to help to inform voters about the positions of candidates for the Florida legislature and for the U.S. Congress on issues that are likely to arise. So uh, this is one of the most important projects that we take in these election years. The results, the the information that we glean is all available on our website, which is www.flaccb.org. From that menu, you can go to the Candidate Questionnaire Project or just put forward slash CQP if you're entering that email address. So, Michelle, great to have you on here. Great to reflect a lot on the Candidate Questionnaire Project, one of the most important things that we do to inform voters. So glad you're here. Glad to be here. Yeah. So earlier this summer, the conference invited um, all U.S. congressional and Florida legislative candidates appearing on the ballot for both the primary and the general election to respond to a questionnaire and identify whether they support or oppose key issues concerning human life and dignity and the advancement of the common good. In addition to their positions on the issues, candidates are also given the opportunity to include brief comments on each question. And um, I think it's important to note that these candidates' positions are gathered for informational purposes only. The conference does not support or endorse candidates or political parties. So this is really a tool for um, the Catholic voter to use to become more informed and more active in the political process. As we like to say, a responsible voter is an informed voter. And Michelle, we've done this for a good while. I can remember, you know, when I was a lay volunteer mission serving at the conference in 1992, we undertook this project using snail mail, mailing out questionnaires, uh, letting people send them in via fax. Things have changed a lot in that time. Uh, thanks to technology and improvements that way. But the importance of getting this information and helping voters to be informed is something that we've really seen as super important to the work of the conference. And it's something that we put a lot of time into. And I, I really appreciate you and all the staff pulling together to, to pull this information together. So Michelle, uh, why don't you say a little bit more about how we develop this questionnaire and what, how we select the questions. So um, a lot of time does go into developing the questions um, with the staff um, here at the conference. And our questionnaire consists of 10 questions. Um, It's two separate questionnaires. There's 10 questions for congressional candidates and there's 10 questions different questions for our state legislative candidates. And obviously 10 questions is not going to cover all areas of concern for the church for uh, the Catholic voter. But care has been taken to identify and ask questions that pertain to specific proposals that we feel lawmakers will have an opportunity to take action on during the coming term. 
And the questions are very specific then. Uh, so for example, on our legislative questionnaire, um, we have a question about abortion limits, which asks candidates if they support or oppose prohibiting abortion when a fetus has reached 20 weeks gestation and has the capacity to feel pain. Now, the conference and the bishops oppose abortion at all stages of development and seek full protection of human life from conception until natural death. But um, we don't expect that lawmakers are going to be able to vote on any bills that would completely prohibit all abortions in Florida. And so while this is not ideal, um, while the 20-week abortion ban, it is an incremental improvement. And as uh, St. John Paul the second taught us when we cannot succeed in completely overturning a pro-abortion law, um, we may work to improve protection for the unborn human life by limiting the harm done by such a law. So by taking those incremental steps in the law, these are acceptable steps towards full restoration of justice for the unborn. Now, you know, you mentioned uh, the abortion question. It's the first one on the survey because they're laid out alphabetically. It's also a really very important kind of question. Uh, something of great interest to the Catholic community. I really do like the fact that the questions do reflect concerns from the womb to the tomb and all those points of vulnerability and of, of great interest and great sensitivity across the spectrum of life, which is, which is really great. I also really do appreciate that we make these, uh, these questions pertain to issues that they'll be acting on. It helps things to really be very real. And sometimes, you know, you can, you, you find a good way to, help people to cross a partisan divide by being reasonable, by looking at things that, that do improve the common good. It's been really great for us. It's, a, it's an important space uh, in the political process that I think the Catholic community occupies and that we work within because, you know, we're, we're not completely married to a political party. We, we present, though, a vision for society and political action that is not partisan, that is looking to promote the common good and uh, allows us to work with everybody in a, in a way, or perhaps draws us into conflict with everybody as well. But it is a neat space that we get to occupy to highlight uh, ways to improve our common life together through the work of the conference and by laying out this vision for candidates and for the, the faithful who are interested in knowing what these positions are. Right. So the candidate questionnaire really does go, um, I would say, beyond a platform and election promises, um, really to how a candidate as a lawmaker will put their positions into practice specifically on proposals before them. And since no party fully aligns with church teaching, we really want to get at that specific action that will be taken by the, the candidate. And one of the things that I think is uh, an important result of our undertaking this project is that we do get to build relationship with candidates uh, who are seeking elected office, whether they're incumbents, whom we may already know through working with them in the legislature, or uh, first-time candidates or others who are seeking to serve for the first time. I think uh, it's easy to understand that you know people who are running are also being informed and formed uh, as their candidates, as they hear about what's important to people, as they learn more about what issues are likely to be acted upon. It is an important process for them, even just, just running. It's a great education in civic life, and it is a great opportunity for us to build relationship with them and to highlight this vision that we have for how we can live well together in society. I think it's just probably good to highlight just some of the different questions that we do ask 
know, if you look at the Florida legislature and the questions that we ask to those candidates, we do ask about abortion limits, which we spoke about a little bit earlier, but also the importance of access to health care and how to increase coverage options for Floridians. Also, affordable housing, uh, which is an increasingly large problem for so much of Florida and many parts of our state as our population continues to grow. Also, criminal justice reforms, repeal of the death penalty, uh, end-of-life protections, which would be upholding our, our ban on assisted suicide. Also, maintaining your freedom to serve, allowing healthcare workers to, to work in accord with their conscience. Also, parental empowerment and education. We really want a strong system of, of schools here in Florida. And we also want to make sure that parents have great choices to educate their children. Also, protecting workers, uh, particularly those who work outdoors, therefore vulnerable. And then the uh, an issue that's growing in importance here also is religious freedom. That's really our last question to candidates for the Florida legislature. Um, it's, it covers a wide range. Again, these are things that, that all do tend to at least begin to address uh, the full range of concerns, ways that can help uh, Florida to flourish as we go forward. Now, for candidates for Congress, uh, we again get at abortion, particularly through a funding ban. Also, we ask the question about access to health care. Uh, we also look for consumer protections, uh, particularly protecting against predatory lenders and some of their actions uh, in that marketplace. Also, because there are more executions occurring, we're looking again at a repeal of the federal death penalty. We also raise environmental concerns, uh, those also for gun control, others around human sexuality and immigration, also international assistance and parental empowerment. So those really are 10 sets of questions that we're asking candidates for the legislature and for Congress. Now, Michelle, we, we talked a bit about how people can access the results of our outreach. You know, would you like to say a little bit about the formats that they're in once they get to our www.flaccb.org forward slash CQP website? So candidate responses um, are posted in two formats. When you get to the page, you'll see a bunch of tabs on the left-hand side. And under a couple of those tabs, we have lists of all the candidates in the general election that will appear on the ballot. And then um, if you go further down on the tabs, we have candidates um, listed in a table format by diocese. So each diocese in Florida has two tabs, one tab for congressional candidates and one tab for Florida legislative candidates. Now, under both those tabs, you'll see candidates' names in either black or red. And if a candidate is listed in red, then that means they've responded and you can click on their name and it'll open up a downloadable PDF, which will have their full responses um, to the questions. It'll list the question and then it'll list their position, support or oppose or no response. We do allow candidates to the option of putting no response on each of the questions. And one of the reasons for this is, as Michael had said, that a lot of these candidates, especially those who are not incumbents, are really learning um, a lot um, about the issues um, that could come before them. And sometimes they haven't developed a position uh, on an issue or they don't have enough information that they feel comfortable putting a position of support or oppose. But we do also allow candidate comments, optional comments on each question. And a lot of times when those 
the candidates that do say no response to a question, they will explain why they put no response in their comments. Also, the comments can give further insight into their positions of support or oppose. So I, um, it's really important, I think, to click on the names of each candidate and open up that PDF and see their full response and see their optional comments. It just provides a lot more information uh, and insight into their responses. As folks do click on our website and look at the results to to this and see that probably 65% or so have responded to our questionnaire which is a really robust response. We feel really good about it. That doesn't just happen, uh, though, does it? I mean, we do a lot of outreach and and we do, while the 65% is really helpful, of course, we'd love to have 100% of candidates responding, but we're glad not to have a lower number than that. Maybe you could just say a bit more about how we reach out to candidates. Well, candidates receive the initial invitation. They receive it electronically, and then they um, are provided a a link to the questionnaire, and they can also respond online. So we make it very simple for them to respond to the questionnaire. Um, For those that do not immediately respond to the first request, we make multiple follow-up phone calls um, and additional emails and messages to them to encourage their response. And we often will say that we are politely persistent, where we will continue to contact that candidate until they respond to the questionnaire right up until the the deadline. And um, we don't let them off the hook easy because we want to get um, their responses. We want to have a good response rate. And it's a difficult process to get get responses. Candidates receive just dozens of candidate questionnaires. And they're, you know, trying to fill them all out. They've got a lot of, they're busy with their campaigns. Many of the candidates you know, they're working full-time jobs and they're campaigning. And so they don't really have a lot of time to be filling out the questionnaire. But that's another reason we only keep it to 10 questions because it makes it easy for them. Some of the candidate, the questionnaires they receive uh, are over 100 questions. And so when they hear ours is only 10, they are thinking, you know, hey, I can do that. And so um, they do respond. Now, I, I did mention that, you know, we have a deadline for responses. And even though we've passed those deadlines... We are still accepting uh, responses if they come in. And the reason for this is that, you know, why would we turn down a response even if it's past a deadline? Because that's just going to be more information that we can give the voter. It just makes the project uh, a a greater tool and uh, more useful. So if uh, there is any candidates that you see in your district that did not respond, one thing that can be very helpful is for you to reach out as a constituent or as a future constituent of that candidate um, and encourage them to complete the questionnaire. And often, even though we've called multiple times, often when they hear from a constituent, they want to please those constituents, they want to please those voters, and so they'll respond to the questionnaire when they hear from them instead of just hearing from our staff. It reminds me of one of my favorite accounts uh, told to us by an elected official who was walking through neighborhoods, knocking on doors, came to a house, knocked on the door, person came, answered, said, hey, I recognize you. You're running for whatever. Um, You did not reply to the Florida Conference of Catholic Bishops 
candidate questionnaire. Why did you not do that? And the candidate was sort of surprised and taken a bit aback. And quickly, though, uh, when that candidate got home, went ahead and completed the questionnaire and said, look, can you get my results up there? I realize this is pretty important. It, it matters to people um, that I'm seeing. And that kind of direct contact and request from, from a future constituent uh, is really helpful and it's important. And it helps, uh, helps the conference for sure. Um, and it helps others to know the positions of the candidates on these important issues. Now, Michelle, um, you mentioned that so much of this information is available online. Um, we also are trying to promote it through social media. We have promoted um, the project on our social media accounts, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And through, um, we also have communicated with each of the dioceses. And many of the uh, dioceses have put the information in their electronic newsletters. Um, parishes are encouraged to include it, um, a notification in their bulletins as well, and the link to our webpage. And this is also where um, listeners can be helpful. They can encourage their parishes to put the information um, out there on their websites, in their bulletins, in their electronic newsletters to just get it out there far and wide so that Catholics are aware of this resource. Now, one thing um, to point out is that in past years, we have um, compiled actually bulletin inserts, but because of this current pandemic uh, and a lot of parishes are not publishing or distributing paper bulletins, we did not do that this year. Instead, that's why we have presented the responses in table format by diocese on our website. Um, so that's basically the same format that would appear on the bulletin inserts. Another advantage of this is not ha not having a, a paper or printed document is that it allows voters to have, when they visit the website, to always have the most current information. So if we are getting responses in later, that they are posted on our website and available. And also it allows for the voters to look at those candidate comments that I said earlier are so important and so informative. That's a little bit of a change this year as compared to prior years. Now, Michelle, uh, you know, this is a great tool. It helps to inform voters. It's really got the endorsement of our, our bishops here in Florida. Um, I think it's important just for people to be reminded of, of one of the uh, important caveats that they've, they've undertaken in terms of what kind of resources can be shared uh, in parishes in election year, because obviously, you know, the work of the conference is important. It's what has the full support of the bishops. Uh, however, there are a lot of other groups that would like to get their materials out in these sort of Catholic channels. But our bishops have uh, really taken a, an approach, really establishing a policy that the only election materials that are to be shared through these Catholic channels are those that are produced by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, along with their activities around faithful citizenship, uh, the Civilize It campaign, and again, the Florida Conference of Catholic Bishops through our candidate questionnaire project. Um, and also, it's probably helpful for folks to know that there's a really important role for churches and for our parishes in the election process and in political process. And we have a good resource available called the Election and Political Activities Guide. EPAG is the acronym for that that does lay out just the guidance that the bishops have, have approved for our involvement as parishes uh, in political life. Um, and you've also 
been working a lot, Michelle, to develop another resource uh, in anticipation of the presidential election. Right. So we have been working on a candidate comparison of the two major party candidates, um, presidential candidates on key issues. This is not a questionnaire, but it is a comparison of their position based on either their own words or their websites or actions they've taken um, on on important issues affecting human life and dignity. And it'll be available on our website and it also can be printed. And Michael, I also wanted to mention that with our candidate questionnaire project, we have um, a link on under each of the tabs I had mentioned before where we list the candidates. There's a link to view those pages in Spanish as well. So um, all the questions are available in Spanish. And then you can also uh, link from those pages to the candidate responses. Now, the responses are in English. You know, that's the way we've received them from the candidates. Um, but all the, uh, the questions and the materials and bulletin announcements and everything that's available on the Candidate Questionnaire Project webpage is available in Spanish. Well, it's a lot of great work, uh, Michelle, pulling this together, helping to inform voters about the positions of uh, these candidates for office on issues of concern to the church, particularly to the bishops, particularly as they really occupy the space that that the church occupies in the public square, trying to promote a vision that does bring about flourishing for all people uh, from womb to tomb and all those points in between. So um, really thankful to you and to our staff for pulling it together. A lot of great work there. And um, hopefully folks will find it really a helpful and useful tool. Uh, Again, it's available on our website, www.flaccb.org forward slash CQP. You can also get to the CQP from uh, our homepage. But it's been a lot of great work. Hopefully it's a helpful tool, uh, one that will bear a lot of fruit for the days, weeks, and years to come. So thanks, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you.